Well, good morning. Glad that you're here on a bright Sunday morning. Thanks for uh, uh, participating in uh, our first Corinthians class. I really uh, appreciate you being here. And uh, again, thank you for the comments. I've really enjoyed uh, our interaction. And um, again, um, I, I like using the phrase. Uh, none of us is as smart as all of us. And again, there are things that you bring out that there's no way that I could have uh, anticipated or uh, thought through. And so I just love uh, being able to um, learn from each other. Um, I don't feel like I'm, I'm teaching um, this class. I just am more facilitating uh, comments. And so I thank you for that. Uh, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 today. Moving right along with this uh, book and uh, Paul's dealings with the First Corinthian brethren, the the Corinthians, and their issues. And again, I'm thankful for their issues because it teaches us a lot. So, as we begin this morning, that's Ryan Lee to uh, lead us in a prayer. So, Ryan, we could uh, begin with that. We'll start. Thank you. chapter 9, Paul, again, uh, this argumentation, really looking at another division that they're dealing with, and he kind of uses chapters 8, nearly 9, 10, maybe parts of 11 in the same argumentation, so we're kind of in the same vein of where we were. We talked about uh, meat sacrifice to idols, and, you know, your knowledge does not Trump love. That knowledge about something and treading on someone else's conscience does not give us that right. And he's continuing to talk about love, looking at other people uh, more importantly than ourselves. And I think uh, that's um, God is love. The answer to most things is love. And love is difficult. You know, we think it's just kind of this. Um, touchy-feely type of, oh, I love you, and uh, you, you, know, you make my heart pitter-patter. And that's, that's one part of love, but love is a decision. Love is a reaching out and saying, Russ, I'm putting your needs in front of mine. I'm looking at Luke and going, Luke, what you find important, I find important. Jill, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm knowing you. I've had a relationship with each of you and I'm, I'm loving you. And that's hard. Love takes time. Love takes connection, interaction, communication. And um, 
you know, it's, we love our family, but it's still hard to know our children. It's hard to know what they're thinking and feeling and our spouse and, you know, our family and just that close-knit group. But when we multiply that times 150, 170, whatever it is in here, that's hard. It takes time for us to uh, get connected and know each other. And so um, that's important. So Paul um, is still, um, this first section, let's read uh, verses 1 through 7 and kind of break this down this morning. Um, it's a little longer chapter than we've uh, normally been dealing with. So let's read um, chapter 9, 1 through 7. Could I get a volunteer to read that, um, Jesse? Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's do 1 through 7. This is the, uh, the Jesus Okay. Okay, um, so Paul is having to deal with an issue that um, he's kind of defending his apostleship. Um, he's going to deal with this problem. It's not going to just go away with this answer. Um, so I guess I, I want to throw these two questions out. Uh, what does Paul have the, to remind them of his rights? And why didn't Paul accept their money. Um, and I guess uh, we're going to talk more about this thing. Uh, even this eating and drinking um, is not necessarily tied to what we just talked about with meat sacrifice idols. It's more of how, um, how do you relate to me? How does he, um, how are they interacting with each other? So I don't know if I'm Asking the right question, but uh, I don't know. What, what thoughts do you have with that? Why is he having to defend himself? Mitch?
Okay, I think that's definitely uh, hitting uh, real close to that issue. Uh, I think he's also setting it up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's talking about, before he talked about not eating food, not, not causing someone to sin. Mm-hmm. But now he's saying, I'm a man just like you. And so he's just laying out side by side what they do versus what he does. But he has a right to all of the things that, that they do too. But he, he will give those up for, to disciple them. And so, and I think that's why he, he lays out his rights. And that's why, if you think I'm just doing it for money, mm-hmm. you're wrong. I'm a man, I got a right to work. I can work just like you do. And so he's just laid it out there, continuing to try to keep the disciples from stumbling. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely part of that, that he's proving that he can give up his rights for their benefit, uh, that he has the right to take their money. Um, again, this idea of being paid for doing spiritual work, I think, is uh, Paul's point here. And yet he's laying that argumentation out so strongly, and then he says, I'm not even going to take your money. Um, but he's at least establishing, look, I, I have the right. Um, but there seems to be a disconnect between what the Corinthians are doing and what Paul is doing, that they feel superior to Paul, that, well, we're the ones funding you. We're the ones allowing you to do this by us giving you this money. And he's saying, look, I... I have these things. I am going to be doing these things. I am obligated to preach the gospel. Your funding of me does not sustain me, even though it provides for me. Jesse? that's a challenge for us too as um, givers and affluent people that we don't put ourselves in a position to think that we're doing something great with our money that we can use our giving to control or coerce or to dictate certain things um you ever been? You ever gone out to eat with somebody, and um, uh, this happened early on in, in our marriage, where paying for someone else's meal is kind of that sign of authority. Like, usually, usually, whoever picks up the tab is kind of saying, "Hey, I have the ability more than you have that ability," or it's a gesture. Not always. It, it's not a superiority. But oftentimes, it is saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to take that check. I'm going to pay for that. And you're doing your, a kindness. 
very often um, early in our marriage, you know, my father-in-law would pick up the check and it kind of made me feel like, well, you know, obviously we we're having a hard time or, you know, and there's sometimes like, no, I got my own check. Like I can pay for this. I can, I can provide for our family. I don't need you to always pick up the tab when we're out to eat. Like there was some pride of a husband to go, you know what? I can, I can pay for my family. It's okay. And there, there's kind of some of that here with Paul where the the Corinthians are thinking, well, we're the ones we're always having to pick up Paul's check. You know, it is just it's constantly you're in need, we have money, we'll take care of you, and putting themselves superior to him. And I think Paul's kind of turning the tables, going, look, I'm an apostle here. I'm um, I have the ability. I'm this is not going to be thwarted because you didn't give me your money. And so I think that's uh, a part of that. So, Luke? I remember reading a, a blog. It was written by a church Christ elder. And one of the things he said he noticed that people who give more tended to have this sense of, like, they were rights over the church. They felt like they should have more control. Really think about it. That doesn't make sense. They've given it away. It's not theirs anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Um, Multiple lines, so you know it's uh, it's interesting. Great. Yeah, it it almost sounds like they weren't willing to provide for his needs. Uh Which, in a way, it it almost sounds like we we don't see your service as that valuable. Which is such a shame. Yeah. Because what he's offering to them is eternally valuable. Yeah. Yeah, and he uses those illustrations there at the end uh, of that reading, you know, of um, um, verse 7, you know, a soldier and a a vineyard keeper um, or a uh, farmer, you know, using the produce that they provide for others for themselves. And he's like, look, here's some examples of real life of people who are doing the thing and are they not allowed to take some of the produce or eat a tomato or um, you know slaughter a lamb if you're a shepherd to provide for yourself and he's like yeah I can still do that Um, and this this problem isn't going away I know next quarter we'll talk about 2nd Corinthians but uh, you know in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 uh, this this whole section is still uh, 11 through 18 Uh, I'm not going to read that right now but uh, they, they're still dealing with this later on, of, of that relationship, um, how the Corinthians are viewing Paul, and um, the superiority struggle that they are having with him. And I think that's um, important. So he goes on, um, let's read 8 through 12, because it kind of continues this uh, section. Can I get a reader for that? Um, Russ, thank you. Uh, 8 through 12. I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? For does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not puzzle the eye. 
speaking altogether for our sake. Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sow spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things for you? If others share the right over you, do we not do we not more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Thank you. So again, um, Paul uses this um, kind of obscure passage from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25 to illustrate this of uh, the obvious, you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing. And, um, you know, I can't imagine that anybody had read that passage and gone, oh yeah, that's talking about clean creatures. And uh, so... I just think it's interesting to see how uh, they use some of those passages to explain some of those things. Because he says, you know, is, is God concerned about oxen? Well, yes and no. Uh, it's more of a principle. It's um, knowing, you know, this, this picture here of, uh, you know, as they're helping separate the, the wheat and the chaff and the, the stalks as they're treading the grain and helping the farmer. Uh, the, the principle is don't muzzle the ox while it is threshing. Uh, so we are allowing those that are doing the work to reap the benefits of them doing the work. They're, we're getting more done because the oxen are helping out here. Don't cut them off to save some money. Jesse? Broker. I mean, we'll pay a financial person a percentage of what they can help grow our money more than what we could ourselves. And so we understand that concept that it's like it's worth paying someone to help get a bigger return than I could have on my own. But to say, well, financial broker, we're not paying you because, you know, I could have done this myself, which is true. But there's more done because they know things that I don't know. They can be more effective than I can particularly. And so that helps me understand what he's saying with that concept. Man. God's certainly concerned with the ox. But yeah. that's not the focal point mm -hmm. here. The focal point is that they are doing work. 
They are working so that their leader also can feed. And it reminds me of the scripture where he tells us to work so that others will not need. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So it's kind of a sad situation uh, that the Corinthians are even in this position that, you know, Paul's having to defend himself, that he's saying, look, I, am, I have the right to take your money, but I'm not going to do that um, for the sake of the gospel. I think it's important there. Other thoughts uh, on this topic before we move on? That's a good point. Arrogance versus thankfulness. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, again, we think we're something when we earn money, and then we have the power to divvy it out. How we, you know, that we're trying to control things by, well, I'm not going to give you this if you don't do certain things, and uh, that's definitely a, an issue that we can find ourselves in. Let's look at the. Oh, sorry. Yeah, please. Even if he's not taking advantage of it, he's at least yeah. helping them.
Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that perspective. So, yes, great. Position, yeah, it's definitely something he's having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's look at uh, 13 through 18 because, again, uh, we, he keeps building upon this. So um, let me just read that one 13 through 18. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar? Have their share with the altar. So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things, and it may done, uh, that it may be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than have any man make a boast an empty one. For I preach the gospel. I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For I do this voluntarily, or if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel." Uh, this is kind of a Paul's <laughs> argumentation. Sometimes he, he uh, makes that a little more complicated than he, he might if he likes to ramble on. Uh, let me paraphrase or read a paraphrase of 16 through 18. It, it helped 
me understand a little better what he's talking about. Um, says if preaching is simply my way of choosing to make a living, I should be and will be rewarded with my wages. If I can make a living another way, and I could, but I have chosen to reach anyway, then it is apparent that I consider preaching more than a way to make a living. I consider it a divine stewardship with which I have been entrusted. What reward then or satisfaction do I receive if I receive no financial support? Just this, my pay is to do without being paid. My joy is in making the gospel free of charge in order that no one might use the idea of my right to financial support as an obstacle to the truth of God. And so Paul did this because um, he felt obligated, not because he was paid, because he was wanting to do that. So, comments, Mitch? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So I guess I'll ask the question, you know, how can you honor God with your gifts? You know, Paul is talking about, I'm obligated. This is what I'm good at. I'm going to do this regardless of whether I am getting paid or not, because that's just who he is. And he is offering these things. He has the right to be paid. But it's like, this is my gift. I am... This is what I was called to do. And I guess I just wanted to turn those tables. And for you, I don't know if you have a comment. Maybe it's just more of a challenge um, of how are we using our gifts to glorify God in that? Uh, Russ. And that's a challenge, especially in, in light of this question, of things and difficulties that we've gone through. So, so I guess in one sense, 
the, the things that we're good at, we can honor God with. There's also another part of that. The things that we have endured and been challenged with in our lives, we often forget that whole section of our lives, and we just want to go, oh, I want to forget those bad things that happened to me, and forget the blessings that those challenges can be to other people. So as you look at your life and go, man, I've gone through some hard things, if we only internalize those things and keep those to ourselves, are we using those gifts to help others? You know, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've been able to use the challenges that I've gone through to be an encouragement to someone else, whether it's the loss of a child or loss of a parent or financial struggles or being self-employed. There are just a lot of things that I have gone through that I've been able to connect with some of you and other people uh, that I could never have done effectively unless I went through that challenge. And so it is hard for us to go, well, I'm not very good at this, I'm not very good at this, and forget that we're using our gifts to help. But there's that other side of those things that can challenge us. Um, I don't know, thoughts on that? I think that's important for us to... Well, even in our Bible reading this week with Joseph, you know, that God meant it for good. I, I just love that idea that I went through all of these things. Don't beat yourself up, brothers, that you put me through this challenge because God meant it for good. And I'm now in a position to not only help our family, but the entire world from family. Because God put me through those things that I didn't want to go through to put me now in a position to help other people. God meant it for good. And I think this same thing that Paul is going through, it's like, I have to do this. I am obligated to now use the challenges that I've had to proclaim the gospel and to tell you the, that message. Brissa? I think that's one of the things that sets us apart from the world because mm -hmm. the world wants to wallow in, mm -hmm. in their struggles and, yes. and the tough things, but God tells us to overcome through Him and then share whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And um, there's healing in that. I know personally there's healing in, in that. Absolutely. And being able to have somebody else that's going through something it is. that you've been through. So yeah. I think that's the difference between us and the world. It is, yes. It's a challenge to look at those bad things in our life and the struggles that we've gone through to make sure that we're we're coming out of them. Okay. We see in Second Corinthians chapter twelve that there's a messenger of Satan that Paul refers to as a thorn in the flesh. He also says that God is the one who gave that to him, and Satan gives us those uh, opportunities for us to curse God and not. Um, but God has a purpose in it for our good. And so it, each of those difficulties, it's, a, it's an opportunity for Satan and God to fight over who, what, what are we really made out of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think that's a challenge for me um, to, again, change my viewpoints. Because we want to just go, why is this happening to me? Why am I having to go through this? I did not choose this. And when you find yourself in those positions, you've got to extract yourself from that moment and look down the road to go, how can I use this to help others, to glorify God because I've walked this path? It's a challenge. Yeah. And see God's provision through your changes. And then you'll witness that as well. It's going to take those difficulties. And there's a chance to call us all um, which we can do, um, but then to recognize the importance of not only to do good for others and to share, but to truly see God's wisdom and provision in your life through those difficulties and His movement in your life and your choice to follow that is huge. And to share that with others is just as important.
under any circumstance that you throw at me. You're not going to stop me from preaching the gospel. We had a preacher when I was little, and he said, I could not not preach if I didn't get a penny. And times he did. And so that's always stuck with me with the apostle. I could not not preach. I don't care what you say or do or whether you support me or whether you don't. I'm still straight in the book. Yeah, 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 good point. Uh, yeah, Karen and Caitlin. It's reminding me of what Peter tells to um, the exiles in First Peter. In chapter 2, he says, um, as you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in a side chosen and you yourselves, like living stones, are being built into the spiritual house. And he goes on to say um, that you know you're a chosen race. He reminds them that um, the purpose is that you know, proclaim the excellencies of him who calls you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Um, and just that whole concept of bringing them back to their purpose. Um, why do we suffer? Why are we doing these things? We're um, growing closer to Christ and we're, we're glorifying him, we're praising him, and using whatever circumstances that we've been put in to, um, you know, at the end so that um, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God. And I tell you, you know, with that comment in Rissa, it's like when we have this mindset, it does shorten that pity party. It, it does help us get through these things to go, you know what, maybe I'm, I'm dealing with this to help other people. If we can have that mindset from the onset, it shortens our self-indulgent perspective on that. So it does help. Kaylee. I was thinking um, on the talent side of this, uh, working in the kingdom, using your talents for the gospel's sake, like Paul was doing. He said um, in verse 18, what then is my reward? You know, if he, if he didn't get compensated for this, what then was his reward? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge, so as to make full use of my so whatever we're using, whether, whether we're compensated for it, whatever, whether we're, um, our, our physical needs are being taken care of by the use of that talent or not, we ought to have the perspective that is a, it is a blessing. Um, we are being able to be used in the kingdom. It is a blessing to us and to those whom we're serving, uh, whether we're All right, let's uh, pick back up in verse 19. Uh, could I get a reader? Uh, oh, sorry, Robin. I was just going to say, um, the other side of that coin is uh, we have to also be vulnerable enough with each other that when we are in that place, that we are willing to put our pride aside maybe or um, stop trying to hide our weakness mm -hmm. enough that we can accept from others. Yeah. Because one can't happen without the other. So we have to trust each other. And I think that sense is a part of Christians also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they agree. Yeah. Misha? I was just thinking along with what Caitlin said. Sometimes it's not conversation, but 
and sometimes artists may not be acknowledged by others, and that should stop us from using. Yeah, that's right. Let's pick up in 19 through 23. I'm going to read that, Mitch. 19 through 20. Ooh, 19 through 23. I think I just died. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. To the Jews I became a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may be all. So that I may be all means save some. I do all these things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. All right, I love this section. Uh, he's talking about, I become all things to all men. What does that mean? How, how, can, how does Paul do that? How can we do the same thing? How can we have the same attitude that we can uh, connect with people that aren't exactly like me? Because there's, there's only a few bald-bearded guys out there. I mean, come on. Yeah. Jim? Okay, I think that's part of it. How else can we do that? What are the hindrances? What are the challenges of that proclamation?
the understood humility with that. Um, uh, I think it's part of that as well, Mike. I think there's also this idea that I'm not the one that's inside, you're outside, so you need to do everything that you can, can do exactly conform to me if you want to be with me, right? It's, Paul said, I became as a Jew. Now, obviously, I think there are limitations because he didn't set aside his obligation to Christ and he didn't do anything to, to uh, disobey the law of Christ. But I think, you know, it, it, in fact, it might be when he was with the Jews, maybe he would not eat pork because they were not, they would not eat pork. Maybe they were sacrificing, so maybe he would be present when they were sacrificing. Not because he felt it was required, but because by participating in this without causing a problem with his relationship with God, he could show that he also could be part of them and then have the influence over them. And I think we have to have that mindset as well. You know, obviously making sure that we don't um, go too far, but understand that, hey, I can, I can potentially become like this person to a degree so that they can relate to me and so I can have the influence that I need to have to bring them to Christ in a better understanding. Because everyone wants to look good. Everyone wants to put their best face forward. I mean, that's the whole social media problem right now. I mean, that's why the be real thing has gotten so big where it's just take a picture of what's happening at the moment, not at your the best possible peak of your life and everybody's all dressed up. But, you know, being vulnerable, being um, not pretentious. And I think that's important for us. Um, sorry, I knew we were close. All right, um, we're going to pick up. Um, let's see, are we on? We've got a topic on Wednesday. Okay, we are going chapter 10 there. Okay, and Luke will handle that. So thank you for uh, your comments this morning. Appreciate that study.